0: We've had the opportunity to meet and work with a lot of wonderful people. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a month. Oh boy, here we go! Are you kidding me? Out of the gates this is not happening! By the way, what title would you like? Mary Poppins, practically perfect in every way. I ain't like a pig!
1: Hold on. you are a pig. Oh. I almost forgot At- why they call me thumpers.
0: They call me thumper. You're listening to the Magic on a Dollar Podcast.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us once again here on the Magic on a Dollar Podcast. This is episode number 39. Made it all the way to 39. We're one away from 40, if you do the math there right. My name is David, and I am your host for the next 30, 45 minutes or so. We're going to talk about some Disney stuff. I am, you know, I, I take pride in giving you your weekly dose of Disney. I know there's a lot of podcasts you go to and a lot of podcasts you should listen to about Disney, and I'm glad that this is one of them. So thank you. Thank you very much for that. Let's go ahead and get the uh, the contact information out of the way, top of the show, the business stuff out of the way. Of course, you can find me on Instagram, at Magic on a Dollar, same thing with Twitter, at Magic on a Dollar, and also Magic on a Dollar, again, on Facebook, that's kind of our little fan page we have, we don't post in there a lot, we do post in there a couple times a week, and, you know, it's 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 easier for engagement, so go in there, and, you know, raise a ruckus, and have some magical fun in there, Disney on a Dollar is my Facebook page, more for the business side, that's where a lot of the travel planning stuff goes in, but, starting tomorrow, if you're listening to this on a Thursday, which, this is when it drops, so starting tomorrow on Friday, we are doing the Magical Movie Madness that we do every year. This is the sixth annual Magical Movie Madness, and you get to vote on your favorite Disney Disney movies. Uh, you know, Match by match, Disney movies will be put up there in a little group. You'll pick one. That movie will advance on uh, if it wins. And so we get all the way down to a final eight, final four. Then we have a winner. Beauty and the Beast has won this thing three times. Little Mermaid has won, and I do believe that Mary Poppins might be the defending champion. I have to go back and look. I really honestly can't remember. Uh, it's been a year. Uh... Although i take that back. Beauty and the Beast actually may have won- may be the defending champion. I don't even know. But I do know that it's a lot of fun. Uh, we give away prizes and everything. So here's how you can win. Go and vote. And you're going to have three ways to vote. Go to Instagram, as I mentioned before, Magic on a Dollar. Go to the Facebook page, Disney on a Dollar. And also Magic on a Dollar on Facebook. Three different platforms. Three different ways to, to, to vote. Each one will have a different match twice a day. So you'll go in there vote which one vote whichever one you want. At the end of the week, on every Monday morning, I'm going to draw... Basically do a random drawing and pick out one person from each platform, from Instagram, from the Magic Group, and from the Disney Group, and I'm going to send you guys some stickers. Just some fun Disney sticker stuff. One of those three will win a $10 Starbucks gift card. Um, if you want to do Target, we'll do Target, too. We'll communicate about a gift card, but I will throw a gift card your way. And at the end of the whole thing, when it's all over, one person out of everybody that voted will get a $50 Amazon gift card. So I'm pretty excited about this. I love doing this. I love sending stuff out to people. I love talking to people, getting their, their getting the conversation going about favorite movies and stuff. So that's going to be a lot of fun. We do it every year. So tag a friend, encourage people to join and everything. It's going to be great. So, First of all, out of the gate, let's talk about Star Wars. I know we've talked extensively about Star Wars already, and that some of you non Star Wars people, although I can't imagine why you would be a non Star Wars person, but some of you non Star Wars people are probably thinking, oh my gosh, stop the Star Wars, get onto something else. And we will, I promise you. I'm going to mention it here uh, because I was wildly, wildly off base about my prediction because I was thinking, you know, October 1st. And I and for Disney World, I pictured uh, I predicted Star Wars would open up in June on uh, June 22nd. I think and I was yeah. I had reasons for those. I thought those were good days to pick, and I'm gonna you know had some reasons around those and why I thought those days would be important. Dropped the episode last Thursday. And it came out. Bob Iger came out to the shareholders meeting, and he started speaking maybe like two hours later from the time the episode dropped to the time Bob Iger was speaking and telling everybody what was going on. Just a few hours. So here's what he had to say
0: our parks and resorts, I've got some very exciting news to share with all of you. We're nearing completion of Star Wars Galaxy's Edge in Anaheim and in Orlando, which are by far the largest lands that we have ever built. And the excitement and the anticipation for these lands, just unbelievable. And In light of the tremendous demand, we're going to let guests explore those lands a bit earlier than we had originally planned. And so I'm happy to announce that Star Wars Galaxy's Edge is going to open up at Disneyland on May 31st and then at Disney World on August 29th.
1: Well, uh, talk about being wildly off base. I was. I was not anywhere close to it. It was a shocker to me. I was completely blown away. And I'll tell you that most people I know, uh, travel agents, uh, Disney fans, even some cast members, had no clue. I know of somebody who works in one of the call centers at, uh, at at Disney, and they had no idea. They were on the phones. They were talking to, to guests, and they heard it on the TV maybe 30 minutes later, and you know, everybody was shocked. There are various reasons of why I think they did this. I'm not going to get into that because it's really business stuff, and who cares? Uh, but they're opening up uh, August uh, 29th, and uh, Walt Disney World, they're opening up may 31st at uh, disneyland and there you go it's gonna be a madhouse, and i'll be happy to help you with that trip magic on a dollar at gmail.com send me a message and you know we'll get you on that trip but for now let's get to some disney news well howdy folks let's gather around here's some disney news from around these parts and around the world Several news items I'm going to hit on. We're not going to go too far into, into to all of these. But the first one, the Fox and Disney merger is just about over. As you probably have heard me talk about before, if you're a longtime listener of the show, and I'm hoping that there are some of you out there that have listened since the beginning, uh, I've been kind of following this closely because the, the Fox-Disney merger has really just kind of fascinated me because you have this massive conglomerate, the Walt Disney Company, and you have this old-school, legendary, massive company, Fox, and, you know, Disney bought Fox. Disney bought them all. If you go back to episode uh, episode 32, you can kind of look at the—actually kind of go in depth about what happens between Disney and Fox. And Comcast kind of make a play in there, and they played off each other. The bids went up. The money went up. And they basically bought them for something like $71 million for a lot of the Fox assets. And, again, I don't want to go into whole detail of everything because it can be kind of boring, and I've done that before. Again, episode 32. Um, but— they own, uh, they own Fox now. There are some subsidiaries they're going to have to spin off. They're going to have to sell a few things. They had to get uh, clearance from countries like Mexico and some South American countries, some Central American countries for what I don't really know. I think it's some maybe Fox Sports dealings down there. I'm not really sure how that works, but the deal is almost over, and we're to a point now, a year in the making, where we're very close to Disney just owning all of it. Uh, you know, Simpsons, they own Aliens, they own Predator, they're, they own Avatar, even though they had a license with James Cameron to do Avatar, they'll own it. Of course, they own the Fantastic Four and the X-Men, which I'm so excited about. I don't get too excited about Disney World, though, because they can't use those characters in the parks. Uh, as As many of you may know, and some of you may not know, Universal has the Marvel her- Marvel superhero island. They've got that land over there where they've got the, uh, the, the Doctor Doom Fearfall and they've got the Incredible Hulk coaster and the Spider-Man ride. They've got all those things going on there. Everything east of the Mississippi, Disney cannot put a Marvel character in its park. That's not already licensed by Universal. Uh, so the way it kind of works, just to dive into this real quick, and I didn't mean to do this, but now I'm on a roll, so just follow me here. Uh, characters like the Avengers... Popular characters cannot be used in Disney parks because Universal has them. They have the rights to them in perpetuity. So as long as they want to hold on to them, they can. Disney can't use them. If you notice or if you remember the Avengers was on like a a decoration, a wrap as they call it, on a monorail some years ago when, when the first Avengers or second Avengers came out. The the monorail would zip around Disney World, and you know you're thinking, well, it's there. Why, why, why could they do that? Well, it didn't go into a park. It was one of the Magic Kingdom Express ones from Magic Kingdom to Epcot. That never actually went into a park. The one that went, the one that went into Epcot actually goes into Epcot first before it circles around back up to the front of the park where the where the station is. They couldn't put a wrap on that, so they could do Avenger stuff somewhat, but they can't do them actually in the parks themselves, which is why they had Guardians of the Galaxy in the park and they're able to do that, because those are ancillary characters that Universal has no rights to. It really is a simple matter of Universal can use the characters, Disney can't use Avengers, even random Avengers like She-Hulk. They can't use She-Hulk in the parks because they're Avengers, but they can use characters like Guardians of the Galaxy, which is kind of fun. I don't know where Captain Marvel falls in. I don't know if she's an Avenger or not, I'll be honest with you. I, i I. I don't know. I don't know what the status on that is. I know they can use them at Disneyland, but I don't actually think they can say the word Marvel in Disneyland. So, anyway, that's an unexpected little dive into uh, Fox and Universal, Disney, and Marvel. Uh, Disney streaming service Disney Plus is coming out. No more Disney Vault. For those of you in the know, and if you remember, you probably remember, you know, maybe you're old enough to remember the days when you'd go try to find the Lion King and you couldn't because it was in the vault. Or the Fox and the Hound, or Lady in the Tramp, or Pocahontas, or whatever. Hey, you see the commercials on you know, Disney, Blu-ray, and DVD. Aladdin available till June twenty second, and then it goes back to the back into the vault. Typically, they'd go back in, into moratorium for six or seven, eight years, and you could not buy them anywhere. They just were unavailable completely. And I worked at the Disney store for a couple of years, and people would come in all the time asking for things we didn't have. Hey, do you have Cinderella? Do you have uh, you know? Do you have Hercules? Do you have the Black Cauldron? And we we didn't have them because they were in the vault. People will get mad at me because, you know, why why can't you sell these movies? That's stupid. They just want money. Well, yes, that's exactly why they're doing because they want money. They're Disney. They're a business. They want money. But the Disney vault is going away because it's all going to be on a streaming service now. Disney Plus is what they're calling it. It should be debuting sometime towards the end of this year, I believe. I'm guessing a price point of maybe 12 or 13 bucks a month. It's going to be worth it. It really, really is. They're going to be doing all kinds of live-action series, cartoon series. The Star Wars stuff that you've seen is all going to go over there to Disney Plus. Uh, they're going to be doing some Marvel series. I think Vision and Scarlet Witch and Loki are going to have their own series, so they'll be over there. All the Disney movies will be there, okay? All the canon stuff will be there. Bob Iger has said that everything will be on will be on there, all the animated stuff. Now, people have been asking, what about Song of the South? And I think a lot of people are questioning, you know, if that's uh – uh, if if that's really going to come out or not, I don't know. I don't I, I don't have a clue. I would say no. I don't think it is. Uh, ironically enough, it was this week in Disney history that Song of the South won a couple of Oscars in 1948. So it was a heralded and, and w- beloved movie in 1948. Not so much now. Um, I don't know that we'll see that. And I don't think it'll be on Disney Vault. And if I had to guess, I would say that what will be available on Disney Plus will be all of the animated stuff. Like the entire canon from Snow White up until Ralph Breaks the Internet... Disney Plus uh, streaming services coming up. Ticket prices did, in fact, go up, and it was random, too, because it just happened. Uh, This was Tuesday, I think, Tuesday morning, and I was surfing through some Disney stuff and getting some notes for some things and looking for some answers because, as a travel planner, that's what I do just for you guys. Shameless self-plug. So I was looking for some answers, and I came across an article about Disney tickets going up, so I clicked on it, and... ticket prices went up overnight. Nobody had a clue, nobody knew it was going to happen. There wasn't even a, a suspect of, "Hey, I heard tickets are going up. Do you know anything about this? Here's the rumor. It just it's just going to happen." They went up a little bit here and there. They went up uh, across the board um, for most things, a couple of dollars here, a couple of dollars there. The biggest hit on Disney tickets is uh, the one-day tickets because Disney wants you to stay in the park. They are they want you to stay on site. They don't want you doing a one day. They want you in in their parks, in their resorts, in their hotels. So, a one-day ticket for Christmas Day, and I think the few days after. So, if you just go to Disney for one day, it is $169 at the Magic Kingdom. Or at, at any park, actually, for Christmas Day. And that's, of course, peak day. It was like 130 or 135 so it went up quite a bit. The rest of the prices didn't go up as much. And when you roll it into a package, actually... It's better, and I'll be honest with you, too. Most of the, the stuff that I sell, most of the stuff that I, I work with with families are three and four and five and six and seven-day ticket packages. I don't do a whole lot of one-day tickets, uh, and Disney wants me to do those multiple day, multi-day packages. They want you, the guest, to stay multi-days, and that's kind of how that works. You can say all you want to about Disney raising ticket prices. It just is what it is, and guess what? People are going to keep going, so I'm not even going to try to get into that. It just It is what it is, and that's what happens. So there you go. So I want to dive into a little bit of Disney history, and we haven't done this in quite a while. I'm a big buff uh, of Disney history. I love looking at Disney history and kind of what came before us. I love Walt Disney history. Of course, Monday, uh, uh, quoting Walt on Mondays, a little bit of an encouragement podcast there for you, taken directly from a Walt Disney quote because I just i love doing it. I love talking about it so Disney history, this day in Disney history or this week in Disney history, Donald Duck, 1935, made his first appearance, first ever appearance in a strip. So it's basically considered kind of his birthday on March the 14th. Uh, He uh, appeared in a strip for the very first time in Mickey Mouse Daily Newspaper Comic Strip. So this week, in 1967, the Pirates of the Caribbean opened up in New Orleans Square at Disneyland, California. They had this big celebration with marauding sea dogs, whatever that means. uh, Pirates running around, doing their thing. um, And so they actually opened up the doors opened up the attraction doors with a battering ram, which is kind of fun and kind of kind of odd, but I would, would have loved to have seen that. Mark Davis and Claude Coates, two Imagineers, are, uh, are are legendary in Disney circles. So if you know anything, who knows anything about Disney history, Mark Davis and Cla- Claude Coates are just names that are just out there. Uh, Mark Davis is an Imagineer. Claude Coates was a stylist and color artist who did... They both worked on the Haunted Mansion as well. All the figures in the attraction are audio-animatronic, and the, by, at that time, the largest audio-animatronic project pretty much ever. Uh, Walt Disney worked on this extensively before his death, and it was the last real attraction he really worked a whole lot on before he died. Uh, Also opening at Disneyland, the Blue Bayou Restaurant in New Orleans Square. This restaurant is built in the same building as parts of the Caribbean, and actually... As you're in Pirates of the Caribbean, you kind of float around very serenely through like a almost like a New Orleans swamp before you and, and you pass by the the you pass by the diners there the, the patrons there at uh, Blue Bay. You see them, they see you. You can wave at them and everything, and then you kind of go into the darkness as you're going into um into Pirates of the Caribbean. That's a 1967, 1999 test track. Officially opened at Walt Disney World's Epcot. Sponsored by General Motors, the attraction is the fastest ride ever designed at the time by Disney Imagineers. Guests go up to 65 miles an hour. The ride has actually been running since December of 98. And so there was a little, like a six-month time here, but this was the grand opening uh, of Test Track. And you remember the old days where you had the two people that were kind of going back and forth and giving you the different... um, the different tests and things like that and telling you, you know, oh, let's go to the acid room. Hey, did you forget to, did you turn off the acid? Uh, you know, the freezing room and you got the, let's test the brakes and that kind of thing. And you can, pro- you can go on YouTube and see the whole ride through and kind of see how that looks. But now it's all different. It's all laser, like lasery and lights. And they call it Tron track basically because it looks like Tron. Uh, I, I kind of like the old version better, I'll be honest with you. I enjoy Test Track, especially at the end as you're coming out those doors uh, that the car goes in the track there. And it does hit about 65 miles an hour. It does a number on your hair. The picture is taken there. It's a lot of fun. So um, Test Track is great, and uh, it's also good for single riders too. So if you've got a group of people and six people go in the car, which is if you've got six people, get in the car, get a picture. It's great. Uh, But it's also, the single rider goes pretty fast there. So if you're ever Test Track and you see the wait time is way too long, and you can, maybe you don't have small children with you, maybe your kids are older or grown, or it's just a group of friends or whatever, uh, consider doing the single rider. Get it in there faster. 2005, Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters. It's the newest ride at Disneyland. It opens in Tomorrowland after several weeks of soft openings. It's inspired uh, by a video game based on Toy Story 2 as well. You can become a space ranger and join Star Command... Essentially, this is what uh, Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin is over in Disney World. So it's kind of the same concept. I like this one a little bit better because you can actually take your little ray guns out of the holsters and like move them around, versus at Disney World where you actually they're actually set in one place. You can twist them back and forth, but it's all you can do. So uh, I'm a big fan of the uh, a big fan of the, uh, the Buzz Lightyear's Space Ranger Spin. So that's a little bit of Disney history there for you. I, uh, Disney rides. I love talking about the rides as they opened and as they close and things like that. Um... So there you go. So let's talk a little bit about Disney movies. A lot of movies have come out since we last podcasted back in July all the way up to February and I I love doing movie reviews and we kind of missed doing some of these uh, I actually counted uh, five six they came out since then so I wanted to run through these real quick and maybe you've seen them maybe you haven't but if you have seen them I want to kind of maybe get your take on them you can email me magic at gmail dot com uh, let me know your take on the movies you can also tweet me magic on a dollar and let me know hey I love it too or hey I liked that movie even though you didn't or I hated that movie even though you loved it uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp Opened up last summer, uh, Paul Rudd, which is probably one of my two favorite actors. I told you last week that uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson is my favorite actor. Paul Rudd's a close, very close second. So that uh, that's its a continuation of the Marvel story. It um, it opens up. Basically, at the same time that Civil War is going on, Captain America: Civil War, which might be my favorite Marvel movie outside of the Avengers, it is an amazing film. Anyway, Ant-Man: and The Wasp is more of a comedy. Of course, the events after the events of the first one, he's under uh, under house arrest. Uh, in actually, in Captain America: Civil War, you see him, you see uh, the character uh, Scott. Uh, played by Paul Rudd, he's got an ankle bracelet on and everything because of what happened in Civil War. So actually, it's, this is happening concurrently to uh, Avengers Infinity War. So that's why he's not in Infinity War. So Hank Pym, who is Michael Douglas, has basically got him out of the house, even though he's in her house arrest, to go and get, uh, to go and get some stuff done, basically. I don't want to dive into the plot too much, because if you haven't seen it, I don't want to ruin it for you. But also, they've also got to find his wife. His wife is caught in the quantum realm. All of this sounds so nerdy, and it is nerdy, but it's Fun. Uh, Evangeline Lilly is the Wasp, and she's a character that can shrink and, and and grow just like just like Ant-Man can, and they work together really really well. The, the movie is funny. Michael Pena is an underrated uh, uh, co-star. He really is fantastic. I love him. Is as, as, I think it's Lewis is his name. Uh, he's great. Um, just his his lines alone are fantastic. His delivery is great. So the whole thing is really really fun. I really liked Ant-Man and the Wasp. That was the last July, and really let's zip all the way up to November in the fall, opening up in November. Nutcracker and the Four Realms. This is Kira Knightley starring in this alongside Helen Mirren, Morgan Freeman, Mackenzie Foy playing Clara, and a few other actors that you may or may not even be familiar with. I know some of the names, some of the names I've never heard of. I won't go into it here. But uh, Mackenzie Foy plays Clara, and she's a young girl traveling into the Four Realms looking for the key that will open up a box, a gift from her late mother. And so she goes into these Four Realms, and she meets these, this vast array of characters, including Keira Knightley, um, and so she's trying to conquer uh, to get her key back and and so on. I'll be honest with you, I hated this movie. I, I I did. I did not like this film at all. I thought it was clunky. I thought the effects were not good. Uh, Kira Knightley is a great actress. I've seen her in some stuff. I've seen her in a lot of things where she is phenomenal. she is uh, of course she's in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies even with with bad scripts like two and three and five. She does well with what she's given. There's a movie called Begin Again, which she is in with um, Mark Ruffalo, who is, which is very good. It's a mu- little musical drama. It's great. It's a really great movie, and it's a movie that she shows, hey, I can act. I can do this. Of course, I've never seen Atonement, but she got an Oscar nomination for that. So she's a great actress. In this, however... It's terrible. It's the the whole plot is convoluted. I just sat there the whole time watching it just thinking to myself, this is awful. And this was my worst movie of 2018. I saw like 175 movies last year. I saw 60 something at the theater. I go to the movies a lot late at night after the family's gone to sleep. This was the worst of them. I did not like this movie at all. I'm not telling you to not go see it. I just cannot give this movie a good recommendation because I didn't like it. Not at all. Not at all. A little a little bit later on, another week or so later, uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, The Crimes of Grindelwald opened up on November the 16th, starring Oscar winner Eddie Redmayne. Did not win the Oscar for this, by the way. Catherine Waterston, Dan Fogler, Ezra uh, Miller, Zoe Kravitz. Uh, of course, Johnny Depp is uh, Grindelwald. And Jude Law plays Albus Dumbledore. Jude Law is fantastic as Dumbledore. He is really, really good. If you're very familiar with with the text, with the the actual books themselves, and if you're familiar with the movies, you can see a lot of Jude Law, what he did. I I don't know if he studied the character. Maybe he read the books extensively. I, I don't really know what he did, but he really captured the essence of what we know as Dumbledore, what we've seen in the movies, what we've read in the books. He was Dumbledore, and he was fantastic. The movie is pretty good. I don't think it did very well at the box office. I mean, I think it did okay. Um, I'm not a Johnny Depp fan. I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm just not. And I didn't necessarily like him in this. I, I think I was okay with it because he didn't have a lot to do. The, the, the movie was good. It wasn't great. If you're familiar with Harry Potter, this is going to help you. If you go in this with no Harry Potter knowledge whatsoever, especially if you haven't seen the first one, I can see how you really might be lost. Dan Fogler as the sidekick. Jacob was really, really good. Uh, Catherine Waterston is kind of the love interest with Newt, which is Eddie Redmayne. is fun. I mean, the movie was good. I'm looking forward to the third one. We'll see where the story goes. It didn't concentrate a lot on Newt's Commander. Though, like the first one did, uh, the first Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them that was Newt's story. Newt's Commander Eddie Redmayne plays a young version of Newt's Commander. This is kind of his story. Well, this kind of dives into and opens up a lot more of the Harry Potter universe of the old days. Not not Harry Potter, but of the old days. But there are several Easter eggs in there. You'll see the you'll see the Deathly Hallows symbol in a couple of places. You'll see references, whatever, to different things. Uh, there's a I think M- McGonagall is referenced in this, which is kind of strange because. The timeline doesn't really work out very well for that, but she's in there. I liked it, didn't love it, but I did like it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Um, next up, also in November, was Wreck-It Ralph sequel, Ralph Breaks the Internet. Coming back to the role, John C. Riley, Sarah Silverman is back as a Velma von Schweetz. Uh, Jane Lynch is back as Calhoun. Jack McBrayer comes back as as it Felix. You got a new character, Gal Gadot as Shank. She's a a race car driver, and Taraj P. Henson as yes. She has an algorithm that helps the trending videos on BuzzTube, and when you see this movie, it all kind of makes sense. So what happens, essentially, is that Ralph and Vanellope, after the first one, have been um, best friends for, for a while. They're hanging out every night and the arcade and everything, and Ralph is fine. He's happy, but is kind of bored. She's discontent, and... The part of the uh, one of the parts on Sugar Rush, which is her game, breaks, and they're trying to find an, uh, uh, trying to find a replacement for it because otherwise the game gets shut down. So he's actually going to unplug the game, and so the game's characters are all homeless. And so, Vanellope and Ralph go into a Wi-Fi router, and they hit the internet to go find this part off of eBay. So it's very self-aware. Uh, it kind of makes you... Looking at your computer, it's like, are all these things really going on inside of my computer? And I looked over my search suppressor beside my television, and I thought, what's, what kind of party is, is happening in my, my search suppressor, which is under my TV? It's just... It's strange. Um, but... They, they they have all kinds of adventures on the internet, and there are some things that you recognize. There are some things they kind of made up. BuzzTube again is one of them. They venture into the land of Oh My Disney, which is a big deal because you get to see all the princesses at once, which is a lot of fun. All the princesses doing their princessy thing, and you know very, again very self aware. They're all dressed in they're all dressed down in pajamas and regular clothes, which is which is a lot of fun. So it's fun to see them there. You get to see. Um, some other characters, you know, Winnie the Pooh is there, and uh, uh, stormtroopers, there's Star Wars, there's references to all of this stuff. The movie is really good. I wasn't satisfied with the ending. I didn't think the ending was great. Uh, I, there's a, there's a, when I say the word, a whole bunch of Ralphs. It's kind of odd unless you've seen the movie and you know what I'm talking about. I thought that was kind of a strange way to take the movie. I liked it overall. I thought it was a fun film. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was great capturing the spirit of the first one. I will watch the first one over and over and over. I probably will see this one a couple of times here and there. I don't know. This will be appointment viewing for me. Um, but I did love all the references though. I really did. I really loved all the stuff in there. The Oh My Disney stuff with the princesses and the stormtroopers and there's Eeyore and there's you know there's all the characters in there all together. Princesses on screen. It was, it was fun it was cool to see that so that was cool opening up a little bit later on spider-man into the spider-verse guys I loved this movie I did I thought this movie was spectacular now this is not quite owned by Disney Disney has a partnership with Sony to uh to work with spider-man but Sony kind of put this out there but I had to put it out because and talk about it because it's so great you won't You'll know some of the the, uh, the the voices in this. Jake Johnson is in this. Haley Steinfeld, you might know. Maharshala Ali, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. You may know some of these faces. Nicholas Cage, Catherine Hahn, Leif Schreiber, Chris Pine. Of course, you know as Captain Kirk. Um, also, he's been in the um, he's been in some of the he's been, was in the Wonder Woman movie as well, um, and and in, in, Into the Woods for Disney. But anyway, uh, Miles Morales is a young teenager who is Spider-Man, and he gets somehow or another knocked into another dimension where all these spider man come together. You've got Spider-Noir. You've got spider, uh, Spider-Gwen. You've got the, the actual real Spider-Man, Peter Parker. You've got a whole bunch of other spider man including Spider-Ham, coming together to all try to figure out how to get everybody back to their own dimension. And these are all characters that exist in real life, including Spider-Ham. It was a real character in the 80s, and I actually had some of those comic books. It's it's a parody, but it's funny. Um, this movie's wonderful. The imagination that went into this is great. They're all battling the Kingpin, which is a great villain. I think he's drawn just... Very uniquely, but very cool. I really like the kingpin in this. I love this movie all the way around. Uh, is it good for kids? I would say it is. I there's cartoon violence. I, there might be a curse word here or there, a mild curse word said by a character. I can't remember, um, but I think kids would love this. I really do. It's very visual. It's very, uh, very bright, and the colors are very vibrant. And just everything's happening in this movie. It's good. It's really, really good. So go see Spider-Man uh, into the Spider-Verse. It's just, it's wonderful. It really, really is wonderful. Uh, later on in, in in, um in December One movie that I think everybody was waiting on, but everybody was nervous about, and that is Mary Poppins Returns. Emily Blunt starring as Mary Poppins, this time with Lin-Manuel Miranda as the chimney – no, not the chimney sweeper. He's the lamplighter. She's coming back to help the children. Uh, They're not children anymore from the first one. They're actually the old – they're actually older, Michael Banks and Jane Banks, Emily Mortimer, and Ben Winshaw coming together. Julie Walters is the housekeeper there. Uh, So she's coming back to be the nanny. Colin Firth, who my wife absolutely loves, is in this. Uh, Meryl Streep as well. It plays a really odd character. Angela Lansbury, Dick Van Dyke. So Disney Legends are making an appearance. It is, it's fantastic. I loved this movie. It was sweet and it was beautiful. And all the nervousness I had about how are they gonna do what they're gonna do? The first one is it gonna are they is she trying to be Mary Poppins? Is she trying to replace Mary Poppins? How is this gonna tell the story? All that went away since the movie started. Emily Blunt is fantastic and her voice is beautiful. I love this song here and I'll see if I can play a little clip for you here. It's called Can You Imagine That?
0: Although they're down and bent in half they brush right off and start to laugh. can you imagine
1: that? I love that song. And then of course when this song came on Searching for the things you used to know Looking
0: for the place where the lost things go.
1: Everyone was wiping their eyes. Uh, that's the place where lost things go. Everybody had tears in their eyes because the kids are singing to the dad because the dad lost his wife, and that's that's one of the problems he's having in the movie. Uh, he's he lost his wife and he's he's heartbroken, and it's just it's so sad and sweet and beautiful. Uh, she's wonderful. Angela Lansbury made a cameo appearance in this film at the end, kind of a surprise. I didn't I didn't know she was gonna be in it. Come to find out that uh, Julie Andrews had said that she didn't want to be in the movie. Uh, Well, not that she didn't want to be in it, but she chose not to be because she did not want to be a distraction. She said that she recognizes this is Emily's movie. This is Emily Blunt's movie, not my movie, so I do not want to be— because. Honestly, if Julie Andrews had been in this movie, I think everybody would be talking, at least in part, about Julie Andrews being in this movie, and I'm glad she recognized that. It would have been cool to see her, but I'm okay with her not being in it. Dick Van Dyke is an American treasure of through and through, 90 years old or 91 or however old he is, dancing on the desk awesome. I mean, it's just incredible visual. The whole audience, when we went to see it, I think we went to see it opening day. The whole audience just erupted in applause. Everybody was clapping and cheering like he was right there in front of us for real. Dick Van Dyke is amazing. Uh, when we lose him, and I don't, I'm afraid it won't be too long now because he is 90. It's going to be a sad day in, in this country. He is, he is great. And finally, that brings us to Captain Marvel. Brie Larson plays Captain Marvel and she is a, she's somebody named Veers. She's a Star Force member on the planet Hala, and she's a Kree, which is an alien race, and she's dealing or she's training with a character named yon Rog, played by Jude Law in another Disney role, and so so they're going back and forth, and uh, they're they're battling and they're fighting. He's teaching her how to be a warrior. He's teaching her how to be stronger so she can help battle the Skrulls, and the Skrulls are alien shapeshifters uh, that the Kree have been at war with forever, okay, for a very, very long time. Uh, Some random things happened, and Veers ends up on Earth. She crashes through a blockbuster, which is kind of fun. She ends up on Earth, and she meets up with a very young Nick Fury and a very young Phil Coulson, which they did all kinds of remarkable age, de-aging mechanisms to make Samuel L. Jackson, who is almost 70, if not 70, uh, to make him look like 45, which was pretty cool. Phil Coulson, played by Clark Gregg. You will know him uh, when you see him. and If you see his face, you'll know him. You'll be like, oh, yeah, it's that guy from the Avengers movies. Uh, he looks young as well. So Nick Fury and Captain Marvel team up to battle the Skrulls, who are coming after after, after her on Earth, they want to take her out, basically. Um, come to find out, there are some things going on in the memory there. there's some things happening that she, she has some flashbacks of. Maybe she's from Earth. Maybe she's actually from here. I don't know. So, the movie takes some twists and turns um, until the ultimate ending. And it's good. It's a good movie. It really is a solid film. It really is good. I, I really, really enjoyed it. Now, uh, it's got some twists and turns to it. In the actual Marvel lore itself... The Kree and the Skrulls, not Skulls, but scrolls have been battling for, for an eternity, basically. Uh, I, have a, I have a friend of mine who is a comic book enthusiast, and he didn't like how they treated those two races. They did some different things with them, kind of turned them around a little bit here and there. Ha- somebody, as somebody who's not familiar with the Kree or the Skrull in the comics, I was fine with it. So if you are a comic book purist, you may or may not. Like that twist? I don't know. Towards the end of the movie, she becomes all-powerful. I don't want to ruin it for you, but, you know, of course, um, she becomes all-powerful, and the, there's a mid-credit scene that really, honestly, could open up Avengers Endgame. That could be, like, the next one into into Endgame. It really could. Uh, so, there also is a scene at the end of the movie as well. Which I really really enjoyed. All of it's fun. It's it's very visually. It's visually great. Brie Larson I like as an actress very much. I actually thought she was not even the best thing about the movie. I thought Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson was great. The cat is fantastic. Uh, there's an actor named uh, Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, I'm sorry, Ben Mendelsohn. Ben Mendelsohn as Talos, who is the leader of the scroll. and he's fantastic. His delivery is amazing, and the way he puts the lines out there is amazing. So everything he does is fantastic. Uh, you will see a character called Karath, played by D- Jumanji Houston. And he actually is a character you would have seen in Guardians of the Galaxy because in the Marvel timeline, let me get nerdy again, nerd alert, in the Marvel timeline, um, this movie actually happens, I want to say second, the first movie in the timeline, if you take all 20 movies and mix them up according to chronological order of how they're set. You're going to have Captain America, First Avenger, and then I believe you'll have Captain Marvel, and then I think you go into Hulk and Iron Man and so on and so forth. Uh, so this is this is right up there. It's it's This is the last one we get before Endgame. I really enjoyed it. I really, really did. It's got cartoony violence. There's no language in it. There's no adult uh, romantic relations going on at all, which is nice. So you don't have to worry about that at all. So that's not even happening, which is great. It's good. I liked it a lot. I liked it quite a bit. So go go see it for yourself and, and see how you like it. See. So there you go. So there's a kind of a movie wrap-up over the last, what, six, seven, eight months now. Uh, kind of the Marvel, you know, Disney movies uh, all there. If you've seen them, great. If you haven't, go see them. Go check them out. Of course, Endgame coming out uh, April 26th as well. So that's going to wrap up our edition of the show here on episode number 39. I'm glad you joined us again. Thank you very much again to Tim Dumay who did our uh, who did our, our opening theme. It's a little bit different. You you heard how different it was and it's it's fantastic. It's great. I I emailed him immediately and was like this is I said I think my words were actually this is so stinking fantastic. Thank you so much because he just on a, on a whim decided, "Hey, you need a new theme song, so here you go." You can find him at storyeyes.co. That's S T O R Y I Z E co Go there. He works with uh, video presentations, audio presentations for large companies, for churches, things like that. He would love to help you out there. Tell him I sent you. He's not even a sponsor of the show. I just want to give him a plug because I think his stuff is great, and I think what he does is great. So we're going to end the show we're here real quick, and uh, we're going to play you the last three minutes of, of the Bob Iger segment. I played a few at the beginning of a minute segment when he announced the, the opening dates of Star Wars Land in Disneyland and Walt Disney World. Uh, but I want to play you the last three minutes. of He actually spoke much longer. Longer than this, but it's a clip that I found kind of surmising, encompassing everything that's happening. And so the last three minutes of the show will be that. Uh, thank you so much again. Come find me online on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter. And hey, don't forget, thank a Phoenician.
0: Wait, there's more. <laughs> On opening day, we'll transport guests to a galaxy far, far away to live their own Star Wars adventure, exploring the planet Batuu and mingling with famous and some infamous characters, hanging out at the cantina, building a droid, or flying the fastest hunk of junk in the galaxy in our phenomenal Millennium Falcon Smugglers Run attraction. And that's just the first phase. We're going to have a second big opening later in the year, when we debut the land's second big e-ticket attraction, which we're calling Star Wars Rise of the Resistance. This is the most technologically advanced and immersive attraction that we have ever imagined, and we're pushing the limits of imagination and innovation. We'll actually blur the lines for our guests between fantasy and put them sort of right in reality, and put them right in the middle of the rebellion and give them an active role in a fight against the First Order. Now, no one has ever attempted anything of this magnitude, and so it's somewhat daunting, even by our standards, but we're really proud of what we're building at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and words simply can't do it justice, which is why I brought you an exclusive video peek at just what we're building. Enjoy. You know, soon after... Soon after we bought Lucasfilm in uh, late 2012, I met with the Imagineers and we started the planning process and the the development process to actually create these lands. And they asked me, you know, what what did I want the Star Wars lands to be? And I said one thing, make sure they're ambitious. I think they certainly have uh, taken that word seriously. As you know, Walt Disney famously said that Disneyland would never be completed as long as there is imagination left in the world. And we apply that same view to all of our parks and resorts around the world. So with that in mind, let me just give you a sense for what's going on. We're currently transforming Epcot, and we're adding a Tron-inspired roller coaster in the Magic Kingdom in Orlando. That's just like the one that's in Shanghai, actually, for those of you who visited Shanghai Disneyland. We're also building a new Marvel-themed land at Disney's California Adventure, and we're creating our first-ever Zootopia-themed land in Shanghai. And we're opening a Marvel-themed hotel and adding more Star Wars and Frozen content at Disneyland Paris. And then in Hong Kong, we're reimagining the castle, and we're expanding the Marvel presence and adding a new Frozen experience as well. We're also bringing Beauty and the Beast to Tokyo Disneyland. We're building a new Toy Story themed hotel there. Our plans for Tokyo Disney Sea also include the new hotel at Tokyo Disney Sea. And we're also extremely excited about three spectacular new cruise ships that are on the way. And we'll soon have a second island destination in the Bahamas for our cruise ship guests to enjoy. Now all of this adds up to the biggest expansion our parks and resorts team has ever created. Now earlier I talked about our studio's incredible performance. And believe it or not our 2019 slate may be even better. Starting with Captain Marvel which is our first female superhero movie. It just premiered earlier this week to strong reviews. And you'll have a chance to see what all the buzz is about when it opens in theaters few hours from now, tonight. Now next up is Tim Burton's Dumbo, which is a live remake of a Disney classic. We're going to follow that with Avengers Endgame, which is a highly anticipated, gigantic conclusion to the Avengers story, before releasing Aladdin, another reinterpretation of an animated favorite. And then after Aladdin comes Toy Story 4, the ever charming and humorous Toy Story movies. Take a look.